0: Carl has gone from the consensus number two overall pick in the upcoming draft to maybe not even in the top 10. What is up with that? We're going to discuss on today's Locked on Blue Jackets. Your Locked on Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Lockdown Blue Jackets, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am, as always, your host Jay Foster, here to give you the good, the bad, and the ugly about your favourite team and mine, the Columbus Blue Jacket. Before we get started, I want to thank everyone for making this your first listen of the day every single day. Locked On Blue Jacket is free and available on all podcast platforms and over on YouTube. You can also find us on SiriusXM, as well as uh, The Game tomorrow night. You can find that at SiriusXM with Bob Gallagher does a great job. Uh, just type blue jackets into S- the SXM app. So today uh, we're doing another prospect profile um, because of scheduling issues. Um, we are going to be talking about Mike Bab, not Mike Babcock. We'll talk about Yannick Linea tomorrow uh, and some more of his um, flaws as a GM. But today uh, I've got Tony Ferrari, who's a really, really great prospect expert, friend of the show, does a great job. Uh, and we're going to be talking about Cole Eisenman, who's a really interesting prospect because he was a guy that people were looking at as, you know, is he going to challenge Celebrini for first overall? Is he going to go second overall? And the more you see of him, the more prospect experts are kind of like, oh, I wouldn't, I don't know. I wouldn't, you know, I would maybe draft him in the top 15, but maybe not the top 10. So uh, I'm going to find out what's up with that because uh, I'm curious and confused by this player. So uh, I'm just going to get into my conversation with Tony because he is much smarter than I am. Every year with the draft, I feel like there's a guy that everyone has ranked super highly at the start of the season. And then he either like due to injury or due to um having like a historic cold streak just kind of plummets down the rankings. Um, And so at the start of the season, we were talking about Carl Eisenman as a potential second overall pick he was a guy that i was like right i'm gonna have to remember this name when i do my pro- my prospect stuff kind of in in february march time uh and now every time i ask someone if they want to talk about him they're like eh, i guess so eventually tony tony ferrari of the hockey news uh said yes so uh we're gonna talk about cole Eisenman today uh and tony what what's up with this kid why why is everyone soured on him so fast
1: well I remember a conversation I was having with Will Scouch of scouching.ca in the summer and a few other people and we were talking and we said, I don't know if Caden, or if Cole Iserman is quite as good as everyone's thinking. The goal scoring has been historic. His ability to play with James Haggins has been great. There's a lot going into his game, though, that I'm not quite sure is going to be translatable. I'm not quite sure unless he takes a couple big steps coming into the year we're going to see that second overall player that a lot of people think fast forward a few months, everyone else is starting to see what we thought and in, in the summer, and there hasn't been that step. I think goal scoring wise, this kid's absolutely unbelievable. He's got 34 goals in 32 games already uh, early this year. Um, he's not quite on pace to break the record that everyone thought he would of Cole Caulfield 72, if I'm not mistaken, it is, but he's going to score a lot of goals for that NTDB team. The issue is, everything else in his game still looks a little bit wonky. Um, when you're drafting at second, third, fourth, fifth, even 10th overall, you get concerned that a guy's a little bit of a one trick pony. And I think that's where everyone's kind of starting to get concerned with K- Cole Iserman. He's a very, very good shooter. Unfortunately, we're not seeing it that much on the, at even strength. We're seeing a ton of it on the power play. He's a guy that will go to the net, banging some greasy goals, does a lot of things to, to fill the back of the net, but Everything else kind of sets, a, sets him apart as a question mark. Um, I've seen him try to throw hits. I've seen him try to stay up with the play. Um, it's not that his skating isn't good. I think it's just his pacing sometimes isn't very good. Um, defensively, sometimes he's not even in the zone. Um, there's a lot of issues with his off puck game unless he's an off-box shooter. So I think Cole Ezrin's a very, very good goal scorer. I'm not quite sure if he's quite the hockey player everyone thought he was in the summer, though.
0: There's kind of a couple of, of comparisons that immediately spring to mind here. And I might be like way off base with both of them. But I'm wondering if we would be having the same conversations about Carl Eisman if he was like four inches shorter. There's a very kind of Jordan Dumais vibe to his, his like how scouts talk about him that uh, that kind of concerns me a little bit. Um, and the other one is the conversation that I think you and I had a couple of years ago about Brad Lambert versus Joaquin Kamel and how one of them was scoring goals basically at will but his underlying stats were horrible and then brad lambert was playing really well but the puck wasn't going in and one of those guys dropped like a stone in the rankings and so like neither of those things are are, like quite comparable to to what i'm hearing about eisenman but like that's what i immediately think of when when you talk about this kid being like a one-dimensional goal scorer
1: no i i think the Kamel one specifically is a really good example i think that's a guy that was running a super high shooting percentage playing pro hockey in Finland. And while it's not a direct comparable because uh, Cole Eiserman is playing U18 and USHL hockey, uh, playing against some NCAA competition, it's not quite the perfect comparable, but it's very similar stylistically, I think, as players. I think the shot is unbelievable when he gets time to wind up or, or un- unload a, a wicked wrist shot or snapshot. That puck has a good chance of beating the goalie and going to the back of the net. The problem is, like we talked about with Kamel a couple of years ago, like I've talked about with Eisenman all year, sometimes he needs someone to do a lot of the work for him. And I think when he's playing on the line with James Haggins, when he's playing with guys like Teddy Stiga, Kamel Bednarik, they're doing a lot of those things in terms of transporting the puck up ice, uh, passing the puck to him in the slot, getting the, the puck off the boards or on the forecheck. I, I think that's where the comparison does, does hold true. And much like Kamel, I think – he wants to be a physical player, and I think Kamel wanted to be a physical player. I remember when I talked to him in his draft year, he was like, yeah, I like throwing hits, and when I do connect with somebody, it, it just feels good to, to lay that hit, knowing you're, you're, implement, you're, you're putting yourself into the game in that way, and Cole Eisman certainly tries to do that. Much like Kamel, though, I think sometimes the hits are mistimed. Um, there are times where I remember one play specifically where Eisman's coming down the boards in the offensive zone, trying to uh, level a defender, Uh, as they're trying to break out and the defender just kind of sidesteps him and then Iserman throws his elbow up, still misses the guy, ends up in the offensive zone corner and the team's breaking out and he's getting up off the ice and goes for a line change. Completely takes himself out of the play. And it's just these little things like that that I I go, okay, he wants to be physical. He wants to engage in the game that way, but he's not quite doing it properly. And I think that's going to be something he has to learn to do. Because the shot can't be the only thing, unfortunately, for him.
0: In a minute, we're going to get back to my conversation with Tony about Carl Eisenman. But first, I'm going to tell you all about eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience is what brings home the winning trophy. It's also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you are into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. They've got over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, and you're going to find exactly what you're looking for every single time. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is also guaranteed to fit your ride, or you're going to get your money back, because with eBay Motors, you are burning rubber, not cash. They've got the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home a win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to US customers. Do you think this is a case of he's probably going to get to the next level? So he's committed to, uh, I think, Boston University. Uh, in, in the fall? Do you think he's going to get there and have a, a bit of a kind of a, not necessarily a crisis, but a realization of he probably can't continue to coast on on this shot?
1: Maybe, but the shot is really good. And I think at the NCAA level, it's a little bit lower. It's a lower pace than the NHL or even the AHL. And I think he could find success there still. I think if he's playing with a guy that has high-end transporting ability and plays that transition skating offensive playmaker game, he can still succeed. And I think even at the NHL level, there's that that opportunity for him to do that. It's just, how high are you drafting a guy that has to constantly be in the perfect situation for him? And that's kind of my question mark around this game. Yeah. So would you consider him kind of like a,
0: so I, I always kind of tend to put prospects in kind of two distinct boxes, like first round prospects, and it's guys that like can lead a line. And then you've got, like, support guys, glue guys. Do you see him as, like, a glue guy? Or is he... I Maybe mean, glue guy's not quite the right word for it. But, like, is he a player that is going to have to be surrounded by talent to succeed?
1: Yes. I, I think the the terms I use are driver and passenger. Yes. And I think that Cole Eisenman is a elite passenger when he's at his best. And I think... Y- when you're an elite passenger, you can make a really good career out of it. I mean, there's a, a ton of guys across the NHL that have done that, but is he going to be a Mike Hoffman or is he going to be a guy that's a much higher end passenger, like a Jake Gensel, um, a guy that can kind of play with that star and really be a, an impact player. Uh, and that's my worry is, are we getting that guy that can kind of make a difference and score a ton of goals and, and be this offensive force putting up 40 goals and, 25 assists and ends up with 65 points but 40 of them are goals so it looks really really good or are we getting a guy that maybe flashes that in, in his best season but more likely settles in as a 25 goal scorer and 15 assists and that's a, a le- it's a little bit too low of a, a total and output that you then you'd want to spend on a guy that's in the top 10 so it still kind of concerns me but the finishing ability really is high end so i i understand teams intrigues with that said, for me, there's just, I, I look at this draft class and I go, okay, well, there, here's a guy, and there's a lot of guys with red flags, but here's a guy that I don't worry about the red flag as much. Here's the guy that I, I know his skating may be a little slow, but he does everything else so well, and he's extremely smart. Um, so the red flags that Eiserman has just kind of stand out a bit more than a lot of the other guys in that second, third tier prospects in this draft.
0: Yeah, for sure where Where do you have him kind of on on your board? where and then where do you think he'll go? I imagine those two answers are very different,
1: yeah, they're probably a little bit different. Right now he's sitting at I think thirteen or fourteen on my board. Um, that finishing ability, like I said, is absolutely unreal. Like if Eisman ends up in the NHL and he has a forty five even a challenging a fifty goal season, I'm not going to be completely shocked. And that's that's why NHL teams want to draft this kid. His shot is unreal. If he can find a way to use it a bit more consistently at 5-on-5, he has that chance to be that elite, elite goal scorer. But right now, I kind of have him right on that outside of that top 10. I expect him to go in the top 10, though. I think NHL teams are kidding themselves if they think they're responsible, and when they see a a guy that can score 40 goals possibly, they're going to be really, really intrigued. So I, I think he probably goes in the top 10, even though I have him a little bit lower than that yeah I feel like like we kind of talked about the last time
0: and um, we did we did a profile um with Kaden Lindstrom is that NHL GMs love when a guy is big uh they also love when a guy can score goals at will and yeah they can kind of like well we can teach him everything else but we'll take this and honestly it feels like kind of a Blue Jackets-esque pick in the they're like okay we're gonna draft for skill and everything else will be figured out along the way. And I don't think Cole Eisenman is kind of comparable to a Kent Johnson type player, but that's kind of what they did with Kent Johnson is they looked at this kid who has incredible hands, but is maybe lacking in some of the other aspects of his game. And they were like, we'll draft him for the hands and we'll figure everything else out. Is that kind of a a similar-ish story that'll happen with Eisenman, do you think? Is that a team will be like, right, we're going to draft him because he can score goals and we'll figure everything else out.
1: Yeah, I think that's what's going to end up happening. I think... He's a left winger right now, looking at the Blue Jackets lineup. Uh, maybe he doesn't play with a, a guy like Johnny Goudreau, obviously, but you, you put him on a line with a guy like Adam Fintilli who can drive play is such an elite play driver. I think that's where you find value. I think you find value if he's with a guy like a Caden Lindstrom, like we talked about before. Likely getting those two are not going to happen in the same draft, but that's the kind of player you need to have him with. I look at this Blue Jackets lineup down the middle. Could he fit with a Cole Cylinder? I think maybe that's a bad fit because I think both of them lean more towards uh, goal scorers. But Cole Cylinder is coming a long way, I think. And that's an intriguing mix as well. But I think long term, if he does end up on the Blue Jackets, you hope he can play with Fantilli because Fantilli does everything that he doesn't. And Fantilli still has the shooting ability. He still deserves respect and draws respect as a shooter which could open K- uh, Cole Eisenman up even more. Uh, so I think while it's probably a big investment and it's a lot of hope that he can play with Fantilli, that's kind of the mindset you would have to have if that's the the p- player you end up choosing.
0: going to finish up my conversation with Tony in just a minute, but first I'm going to tell you all about Camino Consulting. How would you like to get to know someone better in an hour than you would in a year? Understanding one another better prevents small misunderstandings from becoming big, ongoing fights. After providing more than twenty years of service to small and mid-sized businesses, helping management groups navigate conflict and onboarding new employees, Camino is offering a di- new digital seminar for families and couples. Did your Valentine's gift of tickets to the game not go over as well as you'd hoped? Get the couples and family online seminar for twenty five percent off for the month of February using the discount code Locked On. Again, that is discount code Locked On. off for the rest of the month at CaminoConsulting.ca or mention Lockdown when reaching out to us for a business seminar and receive the first five profiles free. Once again, CaminoConsulting.ca, discount code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for 25% off the month of February. Yeah, for sure. I know um, my good friend over at Lockdown Sharks, J.D. Young, did um, hashtag find Eklund a friend uh, draft profiles a couple of years ago. And I have I would not dare steal his bit in public, but I have kind of been <laughs> thinking find Fantilia a friend to myself. Um, and obviously one of those friends is probably going to be Gavin Brindley, who's already in the system, but they do need another winger on that line. So I wonder if this draft is going to be about getting that final piece for the top six that, you know, in two years or so, you've got, you know, Fantilli, Johnson, Sillinger, uh, someone like Eisenman, maybe Chinakob, if he keeps developing, Marchenko, if he keeps developing, like, that's not it. That doesn't sound like a terrible top six to me.
1: Yeah, and I think you mentioned a big thing there with, with Gavin Brindley coming in, in the system as well. I think he's the kind of player you want opposite of of a guy like uh, Cole Eisenman. Brindley plays with all of the pace, all of the vigor, all of the motor that you want. Uh, him and Fantilli have chemistry together so that's obviously a nice little combination there as well and Brinley plays with so much energy he's that guy that will go get the puck in the corner even though he's a smaller player he's that guy that will play hard defensively he'll play at both ends of the ice he can fly up the ice in transition him and Fantilli can lead the rush and then that opens up a coalizer for being that third guy that trailer that, that off wing guy the off puck shooter that kind of boost his game up a little bit so with that combination in mind that could be an interesting mix is it nece- like i said isn't necessarily the guy at target at four maybe not but manly like, that could be a quite the combination quite the trio if you get that together yeah for sure it's iceman's an interesting name because
0: Like i said everyone i've kind of talked to about him have been like oh he keeps he keeps falling down the draft rankings so i do wonder is he a guy that maybe dropped enough that i don't know the blue jackets only have one first round pick at the minute but if they manage to get another one in the like 17 16 to 17 range that might be a guy that they could target then if they could the blue jackets are really good at taking advantage of players falling through the cracks Mm-hmm. I really, I feel like like we, we saw it with Gavin Brindley last season somehow we fell to thirty fourth um we've seen it with you know a handful of other players uh, Stan Fuzel is another one that comes to mind fell all the way to the third mm-hmm. round somehow the Blue Jackets seem to have a knack for picking up guys that like I said have kind of fallen through the cracks of of the rankings do you think it are the red flags for Isman enough that you think he'll fall that far or are you pretty sure that he's gonna
1: like maybe hit eleven or twelve. I think he probably goes in the top half of the first round. I think uh, I've talked to him a couple of times over the last couple of years. He's a guy that hockey teams vibe with, if that makes sense. He's a he's a hockey bro. He likes to get in there, talk shop, talk about scoring goals, ripping biscuits, all that stuff. Like team, He'll interview very well because of the, the personality that he has, the, the kind of confidence that he has in his game. And at the end of the day, like I said, teams – teams love a goal scorer love a guy that they'll look at him and they'll go yeah he misses some hits and he he doesn't always do the right thing defensively but he's showing a willingness to throw his hits he's showing a willingness to engage physically we can turn him into a a super power forward even if that's not quite his game yet so i think teams are going to be kind of falling all over themselves to turn this kid into something he's not or take him and go he'll figure it out um because that shot, that goal scoring, the knack for finding the back of the net, really is just as elite as it comes, pretty much. It feels a little bit like and I'm going to make a comparison again
0: that might not be, might not be completely correct. But when the Blue Jackets traded for Patrick Laine, there was the organ, there was this whole thing across the organization of we're going to turn him into a power forward, we're going to turn him into a 200 foot player, and I'm like, okay, but he scored 40 goals as a 19 year old, or however old he was. Like, why, why not just have him as a as a goal scorer. And I kind of get the feeling that they might do this, not the Blue Jackets, but whoever drafts Iserman might be like, we can, we can fix him almost. And so I guess my, my question is what does he work on over the summer and like into next year to either elevate his game or stop him from becoming this kind of one dimensional player that can only shoot
1: the puck? I think the biggest thing I'd work on if I was Iserman is, Agility of skating and just seeing the ice a little bit better. Get in the video room, watch a ton of tape, critique yourself and be hard on yourself. I think he's got the, the skill and the talent. Um, if he can learn to push the pace a little bit more, and that's why I think he needs to get a little bit better on his feet, a little bit quicker, a little bit more agile. Push the pace. Be a guy that dictates the game because right now he has to let the game come to him because of his skill set. And I think. If you're an elite goal scorer in the NHL, it's because you're dictating the game. It's because you're pushing the pace. It's because you're playing the game at an extremely high level, and that's how it is played today. It's at a high speed, high pace, high octane hockey. Cole Eisenman can play that at times, but he has to be carried to that point. I want to see him become a guy that can do a little bit more on his own, create his own shot a little bit more, and really just find that extra gear. And that's the thing I'd be telling him to, to work on if I was uh, – the team that drafted him and if I get to sit down with him and and break down some video over the summer let's
0: uh let's kind of wrap this up with with more of a a fun one um and this might be this might require more thinking than just kind of an off-the-cuff answer but who do you kind of have on your draft board at the minute that you think is either gonna go way higher than you have him or way lower than you have him is there anyone that you have kind of either really Mm. high or really low, and you think that, oh, teams are going to hate this guy or teams are going to love this guy?
1: Uh, Berkeley-Catton, because everyone seems to rank him outside of the top 10. Um, In my opinion, he's one of the smartest players in the draft. He just understands how to play the game of hockey. Um, There's an element of just play the game, play the effing game, I think some people say, and Berkeley-Catton does that. He's a good shooter. He's a good uh, playmaker. He drives play in transition. He does everything you want except be six foot tall. Um, he's five foot ten, and I'm not saying that he's Zach Benson, but there's some elements of that kind of just intelligent understanding how to dictate the play game that Zach Benson plays with. And although we saw him fall outside the top ten, he's one of the very few players having success in the NHL this year out of that draft class. So I, I think that's a guy that would be interesting. Zeke Williams is going to be a guy that I'm very very interested in because right now he's my top defender on the board. And I think he does everything you want to see. Uh, he's so good defensively. He calms play down. He's showing a, an offensive side to his game. He's dictating play offensively, driving things uh, from the back end for that Denver University team. But there are mixed reports. Is he 5'10"? Is he six foot? There, People say there's been a growth spurt there. I don't think he does a bad job of holding his own defensively. So I personally don't have a problem if he's 5'11 or six foot. But I think he's going to be an interesting name. Um, one name that I, I am very curious about is a guy like Luke Misa. And he's at in the, mid, in the mid-teens on my board right now. I've seen him outside the first round. I think Bob McKenzie's list has him in the 50s, uh, maybe even 60s. Is an extremely high-skilled player, a little bit undersized, uh, admittedly, but he plays the game with so much skill, so much pace, loves to create off the rush, loves to create in zone. I think he's a very dynamic offensive player there. But undersized offensive players always fall in this draft class. So while I may have him in the teens, I'm not going to be shocked if he's a guy that does end up going early second round in that Gavin Brindley mold, a guy that maybe goes 40th and ends up being a really high end prospect over the next few years. Yeah. So for, uh, some
0: spoiler alert for for future episodes of, of this kind of profile series. Um, I did text a uh, friend of the show, Sam McGillian, and was like, hey, who's the small high energy forward that you love this season? Uh, oh, yeah. And he was like, listen, let me tell you about Luke Misa. So we will be having Sam on the show to uh, to talk about Luke Misa at some point. And I'm very excited about that. But
1: yeah, uh, Sam and I have we had many more... conversations about uh, Luke Misa. And if there's anyone out there that's going to give you <laughs> all of the, the goodies on that kid, it's it's Sam. Yeah, well, we did. We did it with Gavin
0: Rindley last year. I'm sure we did it with Frank Nazer the year before. Like, there's always there's always a small high-energy guy that, that Sam loves. And I'm like, you know what? We can talk about him for 45 minutes. I don't mind. Um, if people want more prospect stuff, if people want maybe more of a nuanced uh, look at Iserman, then we can kind of give them in 20 minutes or however long this was. Uh, where can people find you and your work online?
1: Uh, you can find me at The Hockey News uh, for all my writing. Um, you can find me on Twitter at the Tony Ferrari. And all of my game tape videos this year will be on Elite Prospects. Uh, it's a great home for them. I think it's going to be really fun to see what uh, those game tape interviews and the breakdowns that I do with the players, um, looking at their own highlights and their own tape, uh, will do on Elite Prospects and, and that platform. So check uh, Elite Prospects out, which will be starting soon, the hockey news, and then find me on Twitter at the Tony Ferrari, where I'm always down to talk some draft.
0: And that's all I've got for uh, today. Like I said, tomorrow we are going to be talking a little bit more about Yama Kuklainen. We're going to be talking about kind of the bad that he did. We obviously talked quite a lot yesterday about the good that he did. Um, But I want to kind of get into the more recent Yarmulke experience. And so that's going to be tomorrow's episode. You can find uh, me on Twitter at underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. You can find the show at L-O underscore Blue Jackets. If you have comments, questions, criticisms, you can email me at lockedonbluejackets at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, for making this your first listen of the day every single day. lots of Blue Jacket is free and available on our podcast platforms. We are over on YouTube and on SiriusXM. And uh, I appreciate you guys for uh, continuing to stick it out. Hopefully, the team is on the up now. And uh, that means the podcast will be on the up as well. So, uh, shout out to you guys. Shout out to the Blue Jackets. And uh, have a good weekend. Enjoy the game tonight against uh, the San Jose Sharks. Crossing my fingers for a win. But uh, until tomorrow, make sure you stay locked on.